It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. Back in the lab, Reggie and Luke, back at it. Another episode of Superior Sports Talk presented by Locked On Sports Minnesota. What's going on, Reggie? Man, it was a late night. Woo. Vikings said that they had to sweat it out a little <sighs> bit, and so did we. We had yeah, to we, sweat it out until around did. midnight or so. <laughs> Man, that's one way to put it, certainly. We got plenty to discuss and break down from night one of the NFL draft and look ahead to rounds two and three, where the Vikings now have three total draft picks. Plus, Twins are red hot with seven in a row, and later I'm putting Reggie on the hot seat with what does it mean. It's all coming up on Superior Sports Talk. But first, make sure to check out our other daily show on Lockdown Sports Minnesota. It's the Ron Johnson Show, featuring former Gophers and NFL receiver Ron Johnson and producer Sam Ekstrom. Get the daily opinions of an athlete-turned-broadcaster. Ron Johnson tells it like it is, whether it's Vikings, Gophers, Wolves, or Twins. Subscribe to Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube channel or podcast feeds so you never miss an episode. Well, after reading about 600 mock drafts, listening to all the draft experts, tapping into the rumors and the buzz circulating around round one, it's safe to say, as we expected, the only thing we knew for sure was nothing was for sure. Nobody knew anything. The draft started last night with the first 10 picks going according to plan from a player standpoint, just in a completely different order than many would have guessed. And then with the 11th pick, it started to get wild. The first trade of the night happened with the Saints moving up with the Washington Commanders to grab wide receiver Chris Olave, one of seven receivers who would hear their name called last night. And the start of a night fueled by trades ending the round with nine total trades. It was enough to keep your head spinning with one of the fastest paces I've ever seen in round one. Just pick after pick, trade after trade. Then we got to the 12th pick, and my gosh, Reggie, all hell broke loose. In a blink of an eye, boom, the Detroit Lions were now on the clock with the Vikings moving all the way back, 20 spots to pick 32. The Lions sprinted the card in. They ended the night with Aiden Hutchinson and Jamison Williams, top two players at their respective position, while the Vikings were forced to watch big name after big name get sniped. Jordan Davis goes next. Kyle Hamilton followed. It was gut-wrenching for some fans as we spent the last few months targeting those players specifically and to have them available and there for the taking only to move all the way down. That stung, I think, for a lot of fans. In the end, though, Lewis Seen was the name on the card, safety out of Georgia, who I actually really like, Reggie, and we'll get into that in a moment. But for fans, they were left scratching their heads as Quasey's first draft move as general manager. They felt a little robbed in the value of the trade down and the fact that if you're going to take a safety anyways, why not just take the number one guy in the class, Kyle Hamilton? Yeah, it was perplexing, but it seemed to be that Quasey and the Vikings brass valued the picks more than they valued the player at that time. We asked them last night. We were like, look, you know, Jamison was there. He was like, yeah, we actually loved Jamison Williams. We were really high on him, and we thought about it. 
And it's like, well, Jermaine Johnson was there. It, it was a, a slide that many really didn't even see coming. And he goes to the Jets at 26 just to steal. Mm. And then Kyle Hamilton, I mean, I guess, thank the Lord, he didn't go in division anywhere. He went to Baltimore. And that was cool. But it was so interesting that, like, how the board played out, it was unlike any mock draft, I think, that we had seen at all. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because Olave went, and it was like, oh, okay, you know, back-to-back Ohio State receivers. And then all of a sudden at 12, it's like, all right, the Vikings, here they go. Like, they got their pick of the litter almost. You know what I mean? And it's like, wow, the Lions are on the TV right now. It says the Lions are on the clock. The Vikings really didn't trade in division, did they? And it's just so funny because, you know, Kwesi was talking about how he was talking to Brad Holmes, the GM of the Lions. And, you know, they they discussed trading with each other. And they were like, look, just because we're in the division doesn't mean that we can't do deals with each other. And it was just like, hmm, that's an interesting approach. But it's just so interesting that with so many guys on the board at, at great value at the time, that they decided to to trade back 20. It was just like, look, not only did they trade back, they didn't trade back a little bit. Mm. They traded back to the very end mm. of the round. And it's just so interesting because it's like, man, you just don't know how the board is going to play out. And I know you have all these different scenarios and things like that. And they got Lewis Seen, who they're very high on, they're very excited about. And that's cool and all, but it's just like, man, like, you had Kyle Hamilton there for the taking if you were looking for a safety. And this guy has, you know, all the skills to make so many people believe that he's going to be a dynamic player in this league for a long time. But the Vikings feel the same way about Lewisine, even though, you know, they're high on Cam Bynum. You know, Harrison Smith is still, you know, Harrison Smith. You know what I mean? Like, he's still doing his thing there. And you, you just wonder... You know, they still had Andrew Booth Jr. there on the mm-hmm. on the board, which with everything we've seen, he still looks to be in play for pick 34 as well, unless someone trades up to 33 to, to snatch him up. And so it's just so interesting. Like, you were waiting on this new Vikings brass to take a, a splash and, and really kind of, you know, make their mark. And their very first big move was to move down 20 spots, and it was very anticlimactic. Uh, Certainly, Kwesi had a plan, right, and made a bold, bold move, a bold decision. And with Mm -hmm. bold moves and bold decisions is going to come a lot of criticism. He's going to take a lot of heat and a lot of questions because here's what naysayers are going to say, Reggie. They're going to say, do you want one guy that you know is a slam dunk for the next 10 years, or do you want two a little bit more question marks. Yeah, you're getting two players in a pretty deep draft, but two question marks, not so much sure things as a guy like Kyle Hamilton, Jordan Davis. I mean, there, there's a long list of names they could have chose that Vikings fans would have been very happy with. How about Jamison mm-hmm. Williams too? But um, yeah. again, do you want one slam dunk pink for the next 10 years? Or do you want two guys that maybe when we look back in five years are struggling to even make the roster? We don't know. But again, it could all be part of a bigger plan. I'll say this. About the pick, Lewisine, he's a really good football player. Vikings mm-hmm. got a player who was the team leader on a star-studded 
talent-filled bulldog roster that Mm -hmm. he led the team in tackles, led the team in passes defended. He was the MVP of that national championship game. He really showed up, if you watch the tape, during Mm -hmm. the playoffs when the lights were the brightest. He's NFL ready from day one. Pencil him in. You got to find a way to get him on the field and be a starter. Maybe it's three safety looks. Maybe Cam Bynum. He's got some versatility going back to his Cal days in college. He can play a little bit of cornerback. You find a way to get him on the field, no doubt. He's lightning in a bottle. And when you flip on the tape, you watch him, you see that 4-3-7 speed. You saw at the combine. He's one of these new hybrid safeties that you let fly around the field in the box and help contain a lot of these mobile quarterbacks that just run the league now. So I'm really happy with that. On top of all that, He'll hit you like a ton of bricks, man. He's not the biggest guy, but, man, either was Harrison Smith coming out, too. Not comparison to Harrison Smith, but, again, don't let the size fool you. Great tackler in space, and, again, I think he'll translate very well into the NFL with that tough demeanor he plays with. I mentioned before, it's right around where he was supposed to go. In fact, I can almost guarantee you I got a Bucks insider who said the Bucks had they not traded back, we're going to take him mm. with that 31st pick. So I think the value was right for that pick. What we're going to talk about is that maybe lack of value moving all the way back like that for just a third-round pick is just a tough bill to swallow. Maybe quasi has got a bigger plan. Maybe he's got more tricks up his sleeve. Again, I mentioned this was a great class. We talked about that all week with guys like Ron Johnson, Jeff Risden came on the show, Arif Hassan. It's a great draft to have extra Day two picks, no doubt. And the Vikings now have three of them. But when you compare the trade to others we've seen in the past, just real quick, Reggie, here's an example. The Cowboys moved back last year from 10 to 12, two spots, and they got a third-round pick. The Vikings moved all the way back 20 picks, and they got a third-round pick, essentially. I know they moved up 10 spots in the second round as well. Let's see again how the rest of this thing shakes out. Quasi's got a bigger picture plan we don't know about yet. There's still a lot of big names left on the board. You mentioned a few of them, Andrew Booth, David Ajabo, Nicobe Dean, Roger McCrary, Kyle Gordon. Which direction are you guessing the front office goes with this second pick in round two, or what's the general game plan with three picks tonight? So uh, I want to go back to what you were saying. Um, It's so interesting that they decided to trade back. Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of fans and even some media members who thought that they didn't get enough for as far as they traded back. I mean, 12 is a pretty premium pick when you saw who was on the board at the time. And a lot of people were saying that, Maybe they shouldn't have given up pick forty six in that deal. You know, totally. if you're gonna if you're gonna give up draft picks, you know, maybe you just give up that twelfth pick, and then you still get the return that you got. Absolutely. And I mean, you drop twenty places in the first round. It's not like you drop twenty places, you know, on on day three in the first round, Reggie. That's dropped serious spots. value. Serious value. And so, look, there were a lot of people that had Andrew Booth Jr. being possibly a back-end first-round pick. Mm -hmm. And so, to answer your question, I think that the Vikings, like I said, should see him in play at pick 34. But I think from everything that we saw yesterday, it's trust nothing. You know, even if it looks like, that is the right thing to do. I don't know if you trust the Vikings to make that pick. Maybe they go in a totally different direction. They could go Boye Mafe at 34. You just never know. And so I think 
what's interesting is like I was gonna say this about the the off season that they've had so far. They seem to believe and everything that they have done kind of shows that they feel like that they are close from a competitive standpoint of getting over the top. You know, they've they've done, you know, re-signing Kirk Cousins, you know, signing Zadarius Smith. You know, they didn't blow this, this thing up. They re-signed Patrick Peterson. You know, everybody's making jokes like, okay, yeah, they seem content to run it back. And they seem to have the confidence that with a different, you know, mindset, different culture, different coaching, that this team could compete and make a play in the playoffs. And I think that this move in the draft just kind of goes along with that narrative. It's like they had a chance to get a premium pick at 12, and they decided to trade back. It seems to believe that they felt good with the spot that they're in, Mm -hmm. that they didn't have to force a decision or make a decision that they weren't, you know, specifically just too keen on making. And they decided, oh, we'll trade back and we still like our options there. Like that's seemingly operating from a position of strength. And I think that frustrates fans seeing how the last several years have played out and also seeing that (laughs) you come from a GM and Rick Spillman who was known for trading down for value. (laughs) And it seems like Kwesi like one-upped him. Not only did they trade down, they traded all the way down. We wake up this morning feeling like we're missing something. There's got to be more to this plan here because, like you said, I was fine with it before I found out they gave up the second-round pick, pick 46 as well. I was cool with it. Mm -hmm. I was fine. Great draft to have four picks today. But there's got to be more to it. And when I look at this second pick in the second round, pick 34, that's still Mm -hmm. a premium pick. I mean, that's basically a late first-round pick. And with the lack of quarterbacks that went – I still feel like maybe there's a plan to just commit to this trade back philosophy and Mm. try to get more value out of that 34th pick, move back again, grab a couple more picks. Maybe a QB needy team wants to trade up for Malik Willis or or Sam Howell or Matt Corral. There's a lot of them still sitting there. Mm. I have a hard time believing that it was just moving back that far in the draft, like you said, passing on premium players, blue chip type of players, day one, five, seven-year starters for mm-hmm. a guy like Lewis Seen, who, again, no knock on him. I think he's a day one starter, but, again, it just didn't seem like they got the value. And that's what we talked about all week. It's all about value in the draft, and we mm-hmm. won't know for three, four, five years till the dust settles. We look back, but it didn't feel like they got the right value. Let's see what they do with this 34th pick if they use it on a player, or if they move back. Now, when you look at the rest of the league and what they did, a lot of big moves and trades. A.J. Brown goes to the Eagles. Mm -hmm. Monster $100 million deal contract already on the table waiting for him. Hollywood Brown goes to the Cardinals to help out Mm -hmm. Kyler Murray. But the other teams I thought had a huge round one impact. Had to be the Ravens coming away with Kyle Hamilton at 14. Just feels like you can go ahead and start making the Hall of Fame bust right now. Just a typical (laughs) classic Ravens pick in the middle of the round. Letting the draft come to them, seeing who falls in their lap. And then Tyler Lindebaum. A lot of people said the best center prospect to come out in years. But the Jets made big waves as well. Sauce Gardner, your guy. Garrett Mm -hmm. Wilson, your other guy. Trading back for Jermaine Johnson, my guy. It means that's three big-time talents and starters they went home with. 
for mm-hmm. better or worse, winners or losers, who else stood out to you last night? Really, my thing is, it was funny, I was listening to uh, Freddie Coleman last night on the way home, and <laughs> there was a guy on, and he was just like, who would have thought the Lions, the Jets, you're talking about them being winners of the draft. I mean, and you look at it, and they are, man. They get The Lions get Aiden Hutchinson, and I know Luke Braun was not uh, a big fan of him yesterday. but Called him a little twerp. I know. I was like, he's a little twerk. I was like, dang, dude. Like, okay, don't don't let Aiden catch you in the street. But, (laughs) but I think them coming away with that, and then coming away with Jamison Williams as well. You know, we probably won't see him until midway through the season. But you're talking long term with this guy, and you got a guy who can totally take the top off of a defense if Jared Goff does doesn't overthrow him. Hmm. And so I think we're talking about them. We're also talking about the Jets. And, I mean, for what they got, I think the the Giants made out well as well. I I mean, how about the NFC East, man? Like, Mm. you know, Philly comes in and gets A.J. Brown. Like, that's that's a very significant trade when you talk about now them having Devontae Smith and then A.J. Brown on the other side. Like, Jalen Hurts is is about to hurt him this year. You know what I mean? Like – this draft was chaos, and it was the good kind of chaos, and it was also the unexpected kind of chaos, but that is the NFL draft experience. And, man, it's so funny because we saw all this movement. I don't think anybody was expecting to see these wide receivers moved, but it makes sense considering what the market has been this offseason. No quarterbacks. No quarterbacks. Baker knew, Mayfield yeah, yeah, is still yeah. on the Browns. Jimmy yeah. Garoppolo Jimmy is still G. on the 49ers. Like, one quarterback was taken overall yeah. in the draft last night by the Steelers, and that was it. Like, that was kind of crazy to me last night. Yeah, we said, we sat here two weeks leading up to draft. We all said it. This is not a great quarterback class. If you needed one, you missed out last year. Five in the first round. If you need Mm -hmm. one this year, you might as well just wait and stockpile this year for next year. Loaded class next year. But we all knew that. And then we followed that statement up with, but it's the NFL. It's a quarterback-driven league. Most important position in sports. Watch, there'll still be three or four quarterbacks being drafted on round one. That was not the case. Teams stood back. They stood pat. And they didn't force it. And I don't know what's going to happen now in these first 10 picks. Now that the dust settles on night one, teams have a chance to kind of hit the reset button, reevaluate their boards, and start making calls these next 24 hours. And and I'm expecting a little run here on these quarterbacks. Again, Malik Willis should go yeah. real early soon. Sam Howell, North Carolina, was rumored to go in the first round. Matt uh, Corral. Matt Corral, yeah. Desmond I mean, Ritter. Desmond Ritter, the other guy. I would assume these first 10, 15 picks, there's a little bit of a run. I wouldn't be surprised if three of them went early on, especially when you look at the order. There's some quarterback needy teams that, mm-hmm. at this point, you should take a shot on for sure. Wild and crazy first round. We knew it was going to come. Uh, New England Patriots, Bill Belichick. He's going to build Belichick. Takes Cole Strange. Cole Strange in the first round? I know. I mean, kind of strange. Whoa. 
Okay, yeah, but again, that's just what we're used to with the Patriots. Last <laughs> exactly. one before we move on, I just want to talk about, because you already touched on the Lions. Man, that's going to make huge ripple effects, huge waves impact and influence this NFC North for a long time, for better mm-hmm. or worse. But what do you think about the Packers? Everybody just assumed, I mean, they're not going to take just one. They're going to take two wide receivers. And we mm-hmm. talked about it. It's a deep receiver class. They'll certainly dip into that pool later on today. But no receivers taken. They take a linebacker from Georgia, not named Nicobe Dean. And they take another Georgia defender, a really boomer bust prospect, and Devon Wyatt. I mean, how surprised were you with the Packers' two selections, knowing that we just assumed they would go wide out? So it was interesting because a lot of people were trolling. Yep. Uh, the Packers. And what you may not remember is Devontae Adams was a second round pick. Oh, yeah. Fresno State. Derek Carr connection. Yep. And so I think it may be a little arrogance or maybe just some confidence, hmm. but I think that they feel like Aaron Rodgers can make the best out of any receivers that he has. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you got Sammy Watkins going there, which, you know, I'm not sure what to think about him. I think he is a good wide receiver, but the problem with him is health. Mm. And he's just gotten beaten down over these last few years to the point where now he's bounced around teams. And I think he can be good for them. But I also think that they probably feel like they could get some value here in the second or third round with the wide receiver. And working with Aaron Rodgers, he could take that receiver to the next level. And we've seen it with him in the past. You know, he, he, he's throwing to guys like Jeff Janis. Mm. He's just like, who is that? But, you know, all of a sudden he's he's having a big game. You know, Alan Lazard, you know, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, you know, who just got paid by the Chiefs. And, you know, he was just a guy, you know, at some point. And so I think they feel confident that they can mold someone to be Aaron Rodgers, like next Devontae Adams or something like that. I mean, it's hard to replicate a Devontae Adams, but these receivers are coming out so talented and skilled these days in the draft. And we see, you know, what the market is like for them. They feel like maybe they can get better value from a receiver, maybe in the second or third round. What I think it signifies is they felt like they had a defensive problem. Mm. They get two guys in Quay Walker and Wyatt, and they are trying to get after it on the defensive side of the ball because they are confident that with Aaron Rodgers being the quarterback and the pieces that they have on the other side, that they'll be fine on offense. But what they want to do is be a bully on defense and compete with teams. I mean, you look at that, that game that they played against the 49ers in the playoffs, like it wasn't pretty. You know, the offense didn't necessarily have a good game, but, you know, the defense needed some help. And I think what they did was call in the reinforcements on that side of the ball and help themselves really be able to compete. Maybe if the offense isn't humming like in years past, they can go ahead and just bully teams on the defensive side of the ball and maybe play them to, and this is just even crazy to fathom, but maybe play a team to a 10-6 and six score at the end of a mm-hmm. game, you know? And I, I think that's kind of crazy to, to think about and crazy to believe. But, I mean, guys like Quay and guys like Devontae, I mean, 
those guys can be some bullies on the defensive side of the ball and they can cause some some havoc if those guys develop in the way that you think that they could and they kind of live up to their upside. And so those are pretty good value picks for them. I know a lot of people were kind of poo-pooing on them, kind of mm-hmm. laughing at the picks like, oh, my God. you know. But at what point in that round, based on where they were picking, did you see them getting a receiver? Like what receiver did you expect them to get with where they picked on those two times? Like it probably would have been a bit of a reach. We say it all the time. Let the draft unfold and come to you. Take BPA. And I think it speaks volumes to the luxury you have when you have a premium top flight quarterback that, Mm -hmm. as you mentioned, can make average to above average wide receivers look and play so much better than maybe just a middle tier quarterback. And that's what the Packers have done with Aaron Rodgers. I like also what you mentioned, just speaking out again, Aaron Rodgers getting up there in age. What's he got? Two, three great years left. Uh, The style of his play certainly is going to start to change here a little bit. It's not going to be throw it 50 times a game or scramble 12 times a game like we're used to. They're going to try to play a lot more defensive front, defensive heavy football. When you look at that front seven now with Kenny Clark, Devondre Campbell, Rashawn Gary really came on last year. And then you mm-hmm. had two more young pieces from that dominant Georgia defense who broke record with five defenders going in the first round. Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt, Boomer Bust prospect. With two first-round picks, we're going to maximize our value, and we're going to dip into that wide receiver pool later on. Sky Moore, Christian Watson, George Pickens. George, there's tons of them, Reggie, and I'm yeah. sure they'll dip into that a la what they did, again, as you mentioned, with Devontae Adams. It's going to be a lot of fun, man. Uh, we're going to be back here Monday to recap the rest of the draft rounds, two through seven. Again, Vikings have three picks today. Who knows? Maybe they'll end up with more than that uh, as Kwesi tries to outdo Rick Spielman in the trade department, something that a lot of fans didn't expect. All right. Time has come, my favorite part of the show. I'm putting Reggie on the hot seat, covering all the latest hot topics in Minnesota sports called What Does It Mean? Let's jump right into it. First up, Twins won their seventh in a row with the sweep of the Tigers, allowing Mm -hmm. just one run while scoring seven. Carlos Correa broke out of his slump with three hits and three RBIs. What does it mean for the Twins in their recent streak? Is it a legitimate sign of things to come, or are we seeing a little bit of a mirage here given their pitching? How long until that bullpen starts to become exposed like we expected? I mean, they've already been exposed. You know, I I think this is the team. You know, they're going to have some ups, they're going to have some downs, but I think at their best, they can be a team that can string along seven straight wins. I think the starting pitching is is a lot better than many were expecting them to be. And I think the bats, they have enough experienced bats to believe that they would break out of any type of a slump that they would have. I mean, Carlos Correa, you know, you signed him to be a, really a pillar on this team this year and he didn't come on very strong but I feel like last night was a good sign for things to come for him moving forward and I mean you this guy's a top flight player and I think you know the the encouragement from Byron Buxton and his great play so far and Correa coming on and you got guys like Max Kepler contributing and the starting rotation is has been strong. You still got Sonny Gray that's on the injured list that's going to come back and join that rotation. That's pretty encouraging. 
I think this team can really like legitimately make a run in this division and make it hard for, you know, the White Sox. You know, we've seen that they swept the the Tigers. And that's what you expect this team to do with the talent that they have assembled. And I think this team has all of the makings to be able to make a run and do what it is that you hope that they do with the championship expectations that were kind of laid out before the season by this team. And so I think it's really fun right now, this streak that they're on, and I just want to see how long they can keep it going. Really going to be interesting as we get later in the season, kind of the thick of things in the middle of the summer, and see where this team stands in that division. Next one up, five Georgia defenders go in the first round. The most defenders ever from one program on day one of the draft. What does it mean when trying to analyze just how good was that Georgia defense? I think they were really Is that one of the best ever? It might be. It has to be. We've seen so many, like, Alabama players taken in the draft, but Mm -hmm. the fact that this Georgia team kind of set a record with the guys that they had getting taken in the in the first round. Like that makes it really seem like, yeah, this is probably the best defense that we've ever seen. You know, the the LSU offense uh, when Joe Burrow played, that was otherworldly, and we saw all of those guys get to. I mean, you got mm-hmm. Burrow, you got Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Thad Moss, like. Uh, Clyde Edwards Elaire, like Ooh. all these guys are are going pro and going good. You know, I mean, Thad Moss wasn't a, a high draft pick, but, you know, everybody else was. Hmm. And so I think what's interesting is this defense, you know, there's a premium on defense because there are a lot of high-powered offenses in the NFL. And I think you know, when you have a successful college program, when you have a successful college season, you know, the NFL guys are like, ooh, let us get some of that. He can help us. And they have that, cha- I hate to say, they have that championship DNA, mm-hmm. you know, going to the national championship and winning it with Georgia. And I think, you know, those are guys who have done it before. They have that fabric. And those are guys that you feel like could be an addition, a great addition to your football team because they've been there, done that, and they know what it is to play at a high level. It's so hard from a draft evaluation standpoint, Reggie, because devil's advocate just says, well, is that guy really that good? Or did he just have so much talent around him? I mean, when you're a linebacker and you got Jordan Davis, Devon Wyatt blocking in front of you, are you really that good? I mean, are you going to be able to translate that to the NFL? But the amount of talent, again, on that side of the ball, just unheard of. Again, broke a record last night. And by the way, I know you're going to love this, Reggie. 2023 NFL mock draft, Lorenzo Carter, defensive end from Georgia, projected in the top five. So they had another guy already no, projected in the top five, top mm-mm, ten. Mm-mm, yeah, okay, mm-mm, not yet. Mm-mm, Too soon? Too, Too soon. soon. Okay. Too we soon. won't go there. Okay. No, no. Next one, last one. What does it mean? The most tumultuous wide receiver offseason we've ever seen resulted in A.J. Brown to the Eagles, Hollywood Brown to the Cards, Tyreek Hill to the Dolphins, Devontae Adams to the Raiders, Amari Cooper to the Browns, Allen Robinson to the Rams, and oh yeah, seven wide receivers drafted in round one. What does it mean when viewing the landscape of this position now in the NFL? It seems like there's two philosophies. Either draft them and pay them rookie money, or go get a blue chip, a top-tier elite wide receiver and pay him all that money. It's just so funny how the narrative has shifted 
because back in the day when you took a top five wide receiver, it was just like, whoa, that's way too high for mm -hmm. a guy. But, you know, I think what we've seen is having a top flight wide receiver does do great things for your team. I remember back in the day, um, Colin was saying that having a top flight receiver would not win you a Super Bowl. And he started listing all these teams who had dominant number one receivers, and he kind of listed when they would exit from the playoffs or they wouldn't make the playoffs altogether. And so his thing was you don't pay for this receiver because that receiver doesn't necessarily affect how you win or lose championships. And so it's just like, well, that seems to be a different story now. And I think – What's interesting is you look at the Rams when they won the Super Bowl, they traded for OBJ. Mm. You know, uh, when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, they had Tyreek Hill. And when the Bucks won the Super Bowl, they had Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, you know, like uh, Chris Godwin, like all these guys, Gronk, you know, mm. having pass catchers in the NFL is very significant. And it does affect the wins and losses. And what I think we've seen is that there are a premium, you know, even in all those trades for receivers that you mentioned, you know, when the Titans traded away AJ Brown last night, it was just like, what are they doing? What, right. what What's going on? What? And then you remember, you're like, oh yeah, the Titans traded for Robert Woods. Mm. Who's coming off the ACL. But I mean, he was a very, very productive wide receiver for the Rams before he got hurt. And so, what you're seeing is, and it's just so interesting because all these people were like up in arms when teams who needed a wide receiver weren't taking a wide receiver. It just kind of shows you how that narrative has shifted now to where you're like, look, if you want to be a top flight offense, if you want to be a dominant team on the offensive side of the football, you need a dude. You need a dude that's going to take the top off of defense. You need a dude that's going to go up and grab those 50-50 balls. You need a dude that is going to go and grab you a first down when you need one. And that showed. And I think what's tough is the market is getting reset thanks to the Jaguars <laughs> signing Christian Kirk this offseason to that massive deal. And people are just like, what? You did what? And it's just, you know, it's so interesting, too, that – you know, the Ravens already needed wide receiver help, and they traded their top guy to Arizona. Right, right. Which seems to, right. to believe that they feel like they can get someone else who can come in and work well with Lamar Jackson and kind of take them over the top. I don't know if that's the best idea, you know, because now you, you've got a guy that needs to come in and get chemistry together with Lamar Jackson, and that team has championship expectations. But I think what we've seen is that rookies – I mean, you look at what Jamar Chase did last year. You look at what Justin Jefferson did the year before that, Terry McLaurin. You know, the list goes on and on and on. Devontae Smith last year. And you see that these guys are making immediate big impacts. And I think that's what these teams are hoping for with these receivers. And they're like, look, if we don't have to pay a guy, I think we can get someone in the draft and do just as well. What changed to the last five years? The rules. I mean, the rules have favored the offense and the passing happy league. I mean, that's why you see three, four, five wideouts 
on the field so much and teams passing it 60, 70 times a game, teams scoring 40, 50 points. The rules have changed in their favor and going to be interesting again to see where these receivers end up going and to what teams later on today. All right, mm-hmm. he survived the gauntlet once again. Back here Monday morning, breaking down Wolves game six, Twins, Wild, and of course, the rest of the NFL draft. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel and join us every day for another episode covering all the biggest topics in Minnesota sports. He's Reggie Wilson. Follow him on Twitter at Reggie Wilson TV and on CARE 11. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter at Luke underscore Spinman. Tune in tomorrow to Superior Sports Talk, part of Lockdown Sports Minnesota for Reggie. I'm Luke. Signing Be up. blessed. Spread love this weekend. This is Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.